Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Includes in-store clearance. Welcome, everyone, to episode 207 of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Teporek, and today we're going to talk about a lot of dysfunction. We're not going to talk about the Pelicans for a change, but we will hit on the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Suns. And we're also going to talk about some good players on bad teams who deserve a little more love. Before we get into all of that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, again, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. Mort, how's it going? How are you feeling? I'm still very much sick, but I'm I'm feeling better to the extent that I can record, at least. So, progress. Yes. Liking your country, progress. (laughs) We are happy to have you back, of course. I was going to say, Josh did so well that we've actually replaced you, and he's the, the new full-time host, but uh, I won't troll you too hard today, I promise. I, I appreciate it, because I, I have so much so much mucus in my head, I wouldn't get half the jokes you threw at me today. So. <laughs> but no, I actually listened to the podcast, loved having Josh on, I, and I'm very sad that I couldn't be on at the same time, because I actually wanted to be on the first time we had Josh on, and I wasn't, so next time, very much looking forward to it. Definitely, and hopefully we won't have to talk about Zion getting hurt next time too. Prayers up. That is very true. Let's let's hope we never have to talk about that. Yeah, for real. Uh, all right, Mort. So we know we've talked a lot about the Lakers and the Celtics, and frankly the Pelicans too. But really, those are three of the biggest stories in the NBA, and you just have to continue to address them. So we're not going to spend the entire episode on this, but. We do want to start right. with the Lakers. We're not going to hit the Pelicans. Nothing has changed. The whole situation is still a farce. I mean, that's nothing's going to change between now and the end of the season unless they decide to bench him. So that, that is our final thought on the New Orleans Pelicans this year in all likelihood. Let's turn, though, to the Lakers. Their opponent on Wednesday night, who the Lakers got a big, very much needed win, in large part because the Pelicans only played Anthony Davis 20 minutes. LeBron hits a big corner three at the end of the game to really seal things up. Uh, But prior to that game, they're coming off losing two against the same Pelicans team without Anthony Davis did not play at all that game. And then uh, against the Grizzlies on Monday. After (laughs) both of those games, LeBron took the bus and just ran his teammates all over it. Uh, you know, after the Pelicans loss, he was just saying, like, 
you have to be you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable it kind of looks like we're sometimes afraid to be uncomfortable and get out of our comfort zone which was just clearly shaded some of his younger teammates but that's no different than what Kyrie is doing with the Celtics right after the Grizzlies loss he was a little more direct because you know there, there was this whole conversation about well you know you just tried to trade half of the team for Anthony Davis a couple weeks ago <laughs> they might be distracted yeah. by that like is there any lingering effect and he said at this point if you're still allowing distractions to affect the way you play then this is the wrong franchise to be a part of and you should just come and be like listen I don't think this is for me I can't do this so that's a lot to unpack but Right now, they are currently three games back of the Clippers and Spurs. They have 21 games to play. They have the seventh hardest remaining schedule, according to Tankathon. Do you think they make it in? And do you think they have enough time to sort out the issues that have been plaguing them as of late? I don't know. I don't know. That's not even the most interesting part to me. It's really just LeBron driving all over his teammates. <laughs> like, if, even if they make it to the playoffs, like you have to wonder... How are these guys going to respond to LeBron in a playoff setting? Right. Like, are they going to have his back? Are they going to go out there and and you know disappoint him, <laughs> or or you know, actually try to live up to his expectations? Like, there are just so many subplots going on here. I don't think they'll make it in, honestly. But I've I've been wrong before because it's LeBron, yeah. so he might just will them the way in, you know. But this whole thing is such a mess, and and I think it's so insulting of him going. With the whole, then this is the wrong franchise, <laughs> right? Like, you're you're one of the newest Lakers. I mean, come on, you. I know that you you're looking at it and comparing like in in terms of historical aspect of what time, but a lot of these guys were here before. They're just not as talented as you are. Like, understand that. Like, Mike had the same issue, but he was in his twenties, right? Like, I'm I'm really, I, I'm so weirded out by LeBron. You know, at age what thirty four? Yeah. Still not comprehending the fact that, hey, you know, I am worlds better than most other players that I share the court with. Right. Like, you can't just force them to become these all-stars, even though you want to. Yeah. I, I, I just, I'm very weirded out by what he's trying to accomplish here. Yeah, and, like, I love when he tries to empathize them around the trade deadline. He's, like, <laughs> you know, trying to relate as if he's ever been in a trade rumor before. Like, F right. off, LeBron. You have no idea what these guys are going through. I, like, the, I agree. That part is hilarious. Um, look, I, I never want to count out LeBron James. Like, I, he's right. clearly... I mean, I think it is fair to say he is not 100% over that groin strain. Or at least I hope that's the case, because otherwise his half-hearted yeah. defensive effort is inexplicable. I mean, he hasn't tried that hard on defense during the regular season for a couple of years now, but... This is a some, couple. <laughs> I mean, it's got half a decade, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the clips going around Monday night from that Grizzlies game, especially yeah. toward the end of the game, were just egregious. I mean, he is not moving nearly as well as he was earlier this season, even. So I, I think it's fair to say he just doesn't have. I think he's got like the straight line uh, agility back, but. Right. Lateral, side to side, it, it doesn't seem like he has total confidence in his body. So I think we do have to give him some benefit of the doubt in that regard. That said, I mean, he's still LeBron James, so I, I don't want to totally count him out. They do have a really tough schedule. I think the next five or so games will go a long way toward determining how serious their playoff push is because they're Friday 
home against Milwaukee. Saturday, a back-to-back against Phoenix, which, God, if they lose to Phoenix, woo, uh, I want to be on Twitter for that yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Then three-game homestand, Clippers, Nuggets, Celtics. Lakers-Celtics is going to be interesting because it's like whichever team loses that game is going to be in an existential crisis. Then the the schedule softens up somewhat for the Lakers for the rest of that month. I mean, they have some tricky games, but they have a lot of winnable ones too. But their last five games of the season, at OKC, home against the Warriors, at the Clippers, home against the Jazz, home against the Blazers realistically unless seeds are locked into place at least some of those teams are going to have things to play for so mm-hmm. i think this thing comes down to the wire if i had to pick today i would say they would not make it in but i know that's going to look dumb in a month yeah it could easily be like we've all looked so dumb when we counted lebron out so i get it mm-hmm. but th- i think this time around it's different though it's a new team, after all. Like, he was accustomed to, to being in, in Cleveland both the first and the second time around. Mm-hmm. You know, in Miami, the supporting staff was just so much better. And he was that much younger, so he was just more effective when he was on. Mm-hmm. I, I think this just could be the perfect storm this season for him not not making it. I mean, look at the teammates as well. You know, and, and to be fair to LeBron, I get the criticism. It's not. I don't have a problem... With, with the point that he's making, I'm having a problem with the way that he's presenting the point. Right. Because that is not a good team. That is not a great supporting cast. Mm-hmm. I get that. I mean, he's that's completely accurate. But, like, you can't do anything about it these days. <laughs> so th- keep throwing him under the bus. I'm not sure what's that what that accomplishes at all. But, yeah. I mean, it's just an unfortunate situation right now because... <laughs> You know, the, the Lakers were just all in on LeBron this summer, going, we're going to go back to the playoffs, we're going to make a push, <laughs> we're going to be competitive, and then they might actually end up missing the playoffs. I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, how much do you think Lonzo Ball's absence and eventual return could give them that extra boost they need? Well, defensively, it could be a boost. Mm-hmm. Offensively is still the big question. He still hasn't broken out. Yeah. And I'm really not sure what he is offensively still. Um, but but his defensive presence is huge. And if he kind of makes up for some of LeBron's, I don't want to say lapses, but just decisions not to engage mm-hmm. in the same caliber that he used to, mm-hmm. then that's quite significant because you do have a, a somewhat broad arsenal of offensive weapons in Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. So theoretically, on paper, he should help significantly. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like practicality, we have no idea. Like because he might be hurt as well from right. all those comments. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean he's supposed to be reevaluated today, Thursday. So we'll see what happens. There were reports that he might miss longer than the six week timetable. That was like the the long end of when he was expected to return, which would be coming up kind of soon. But the reason I ask is because you know the Lakers are five and nine without him. They're allowing 115.4 points per 100 possessions, the fourth worst mark in the league over that span, second right. worst net rating over that span. But I did want to nip one narrative in the bud before we move to the Celtics. I saw at least a couple Lakers fans on Twitter saying, like, well, look at their record without Lonzo. That must mean Lonzo is equally as impactful as LeBron. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's a take. <laughs> 
what I, I I just it's amazing. I, I I still think there are just some Lakers fans, and it, this these people might just be from Kobe stand, and they're just looking to detract LeBron however they can. But just no. Well, I think I think it goes you know beyond that, and I don't think it's just Lakers fans or Celtics fans. Like I think fan base is just they they have this tendency to put young players on a pedestal uh-huh. immediately, and and with with this very innate hope of this particular, you know, kid becoming the next super duper, you know, world beater, fantastic player of all time, whatever. Like last season, Bill Simmons in Jason Tatum's rookie season was like, oh, he could go down potentially as the best Celtic of all time. Right, right. <clears throat> like, don't. He's That's still, just... the other day in one of his episodes, he said he still wouldn't trade Tatum for Anthony Davis. Yeah, but that's just dumb. Right, right. I mean, and that that's, <clears throat> sorry, that's that's the thing with Lonzo as well. I mean, a lot of Lakers fans are so invested in Lonzo. Mm-hmm. And they, they it, it, this hope of him becoming a superstar kind of overshadows the realistic observation of him, which yeah. is unfortunate. Like he, I, I don't, I don't have any doubt that he's going to be a a positive NBA player, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. But like, let's not go nuts and like write it in stone that he's a future All Star <laughs> or All NBA player. Like he's what twenty one. Yeah, I think. Uh, 20, yeah, 20 20 or 20, 21, 21 21 yeah, yeah let, let's give him a few years yeah. let's see what he becomes yeah well since we brought up the Celtics that's a good place to switch over to them because that's are, why I did it Brian they are ha- get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby get flip flops for two bucks graphic tees for four bucks shorts for six dollars and jeans for eight dollars right now get the best kids styles at kid size prices just two four six and eight dollars can't wait to wear it buy online and pick up in store free today up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com valid 729 to 811 select styles excludes in-store clearance at ace we believe there's nothing better than helping kids that's why we've been proud to support children's miracle network hospitals for over 25 years this friday through sunday get our five gallon bucket and 20 percent off almost anything that fits inside when you donate five dollars to support children's miracle network hospitals and like ace cmn hospitals are local so the money you donate helps kids near you ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details. Having their own crisis of confidence, they have lost four straight. Three of those games came against Milwaukee, Toronto, and Portland. No shame there. Even the, the Toronto game was not all that competitive, so that wasn't great. They also lost to your Chicago Bulls, Mort. <laughs> and I think that's that's where the death spiral really started because then they were like, oh boy, we're, you know, yeah. we're... We thought we were feeling ourselves coming into the All-Star break. We beat Philly. We beat Detroit. We thought we you know, we had won seven of our last nine, and then they lose their first four coming out. I mean, the comments coming from that locker room, you know, Marcus Morris earlier this month said, you know, it's the attitude that we're playing with. Guys are just hanging their heads. It's, it's not fun. We're not competing at a high level. Even when it, we're winning, it's still not fun. I don't see the joy in the game. And Marcus Smart on Tuesday says they're just not playing together. And he says, you know, we're, we're talking and linking up, but we're just going through something and we're going to need to continue to work at it and figure it out. So 
I'm going to pose the same question to you. Like the the Celtics are going to make the playoffs. Okay, like that's that's not yeah obviously you know they are they are eight and a half games ahead of the Charlotte Hornets right now. <laughs> right, right. The question for them, you know, they're two and a half games behind Philly for the four seed. They're three games behind Indiana for the three seed. They have twenty games left, so it's the same question of do they have enough time to figure out what's been plaguing them all season? And do you think they're locked into that five seed, or do you think they could still move up a little bit? What can the team learn in their final 20 games that they haven't already learned in 60 games? <sighs> I mean... That's what it comes down to, to me, at least. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you can... You know, Kyrie, after last night's game, was basically just saying, like, I'm just excited to get to the playoffs so we don't have to think about, like, what can we learn about ourselves this season? We could kind of just go out and play and, like, really hone in on a matchup. Like, Oh, I get that. Yeah. To me, the Celtics, I'm still not jumping ship completely from them. Like, I I do think they're more likely than not going to be the five seed, although I still think Indiana could slip. I know it's disrespectful to Indiana, but, like, look at that. Look at their schedule in March and then come back mm. to me. You know, like they have a brutal stretch coming up. Uh, so it I wouldn't totally shock me if Boston could at least move up to the four. But I still look, I like Milwaukee and Toronto going into the Eastern Conference semifinals should be favored whoever they end up facing. But it Correct. wouldn't shock me if Boston beat either one of those teams. And I agree with that as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, Boston is supremely talented. Mm-hmm. Like, we've we've touched upon this so many times before. They're so deep. It's just a matter of them finding and maintaining a pecking order yeah. that makes sense and enjoying the game, honestly, because I, I think so many of those guys have hit it right on the head. Like, we're not enjoying ourselves. It's mm-hmm. very clear that we're out there. It's just, it's not fun. And you can sense it. Like, they're just... They're not engaged. I will. I will actually defend them a little bit because a, a lot of C's fans got really pissed after the Bulls game. Mm-hmm. Like, how did we lose to this team? <laughs> I get it, but here's the thing: Chicago actually hit damn near everything in that game. Yeah. That was. I mean, both Zach Levine and Lauren Markin had career highs. Right. Like they just had a. They had like three or four stretches where everything they just like put up went in. Mm-hmm. Like that that was an outlier. Yeah. That was obviously an outlier, and I think that was the wrong game to use, like to get pissed. Right. Because that was just Chicago doing something that they really haven't done a whole lot of this year. Like just mm-hmm. basically hitting on all cylinders at the same time. And so let's just ignore that. And the Bulls have been playing much better as of late. Like we we've they en- have. we've entered the part of the season where especially for these really bad teams. You have to kind of look past their record and just look at how they've been playing lately. Like, the the Suns still suck eggs, but the Bulls have been playing better. The Hawks have been playing better. The Cavs are showing a pulse. The Knicks are showing a pulse. Like, these aren't... You're still... You should win a lot of those games, but it's not a total embarrassment if you lose to those teams. Right. And, And I think that was just... That was just very unfortunate for the Celtics. I think they came into the United Center thinking, this this is one we need. Mm-hmm. This is one that is going to put us back on track. And then they lost that, and they kind of came out of it a little bit shell-shocked. Yeah. And that was just 
what really drove them into this furthering loss. So I, I, I think Boston overall, just they just need to get, yeah, again, a pecking order, really, because everything seemed to work out so great last year when they were one game from the finals because everyone knew who the primary guys were. Right. It, it still seems like there's a bit of confusion, like, oh, okay, we have two guys coming off screens. Who's, like, who, who should we get it to? Who should mm-hmm. we feed? Who should we, like, yeah, just figure it out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, because then if you don't pass it to Kyrie, he will yell at you. There's that, too. That is also true. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe honestly, I thought about this the other day. Maybe this is about Kyrie actually just upping his own usage rate, like, significantly. And saying, okay, instead of having, like, you know, seven guys who can't really figure out, like, a pecking order, mm-hmm. then I can at least go, well, I'm the clear number one guy. Everyone else, like, you're down on tier three or four. doesn't right. matter. Now I'm going to be the guy who consistently takes 25 shots a game. Well, I feel like he's kind of trying to do that, and I think that's kind of what's pissing off the young guys. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I, I, don't, I don't agree that he's done that to the same extent. I think he did yeah, it in the yeah, Bulls game. yeah. And I think he was highly efficient, and they were in the game because of that. But I, I, I I'm talking about like taking a James Harden approach. Oh, okay, to it. I see. Yeah, like I, I was gonna like, say, I feel like he's asserted himself as the alpha this year. But you're right; it's not. Yeah. he's not taking 25 shots a game. That that that's that's my point. Like, yeah. just basically prove a point instead of going to the. And it's also, I, I think, when you go to the media and complain about your teammates and you know young guys or whatever. Even though, to be fair, there is like. A, a question out there whether or not his his comments toward the young guys were actually misunderstood. Mm-hmm. But you know who knows? It's Kyrie. I don't know <laughs> what what he's thinking, right? Right. But th- when you actually make a change on the court, I think that could have a lasting effect. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they're a playoff team that are looking towards the playoffs. And you know what? In the playoffs, you go to your best player more than you don't. Yeah. So. Just getting that under his wings and just going, you know what? I have 20 games to be accustomed to taking 25 shots a game. Yeah. I think that's the way forward. And then everyone else, even if they're pissed, even if the kids are pissed, shut up. Yeah. Follow Kyrie. I, like, we know Al Horford doesn't have a problem with Kyrie taking shots. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think you're right. It, establishing a firm packing order would go a long way toward solving a lot of what's plaguing them all year. And getting yeah. the kids on board with that is, and like I think that, I mean, <laughs> that I, Danny Ainge can't go up to the kids and say this, but what they should realize is we're all getting traded for Anthony Davis in four months. This is our last best shot to win a title. Like we're not gonna go to New Orleans and be in the playoffs next year, or go and like be a legitimate title contender next year. This is our best chance to win a ring. Probably for the next couple of years. Like, you think Terry Roger, yes. wherever he's going, is going to win a ring next year? Like, Phoenix ain't winning a ring? No. So, I'm glad you brought up Rozier. He's bad. Yeah. He's he's become... I mean, remember all the expectations, from us included, going into this year with Rozier? Mm-hmm. Like, he's been horrible compared to what everyone expected of him this year. Yeah. Scary Terry took on a... <laughs> A bad second meeting this year. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, how many million of millions of dollars did he cost himself this this season? Um, like, someone I, will pay him still. 
to to the same amount. I saw a lot of hey Max. Oh yeah, offered. well that was dumb already. Like no one was gonna max him, but yeah, he's you're right. He's probably not getting twenty plus million a year. He'll probably get closer to low eight figures, but someone will still. It, it only takes one team. It only say you're right, but I'm looking not just looking at the numbers, but his shot selection over the oh, past yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. It's horrid. Like right. he's he plays completely outside of the offense. Some team will talk themselves into seeing what he did last year and just say like he just wants to be a starting point guard. He doesn't operate well as a backup. We'll, we'll give him that opportunity. The problem for him as you know as as is the case with a lot of these point guards is most teams are set at that position. I mean, there there will be some player movement this summer. Milwaukee with Eric Bledsoe, Indiana with like their entire roster. Utah could lose Ricky Rubio. Some of those guys will move. Some team will. There will be a point guard shuffle at some point. But a lot of teams are set at that position, so that will, that will complicate his free agency. But I agree. He he is definitely one of the biggest X factors for the Celtics team. Like if he can play within himself. That will change everything. I mean, Aaron Baines has missed a lot of time. I think when he comes back, yeah. they're just a much better team. Horford, I feel like, is just still... Did you just compliment Aaron Baines? I mean, I hate him. I hate, I, and he terrifies me. But yeah, he's, like, he makes a big impact on that on that Celtics team. So oh, I mean, I, I agree. I like Aaron Baines. I'm just, I was very surprised. you uh, When we were not recording, you were basically constantly talking to me about your dread about meeting Aaron Baines in, in a dark alley somewhere. Yeah, because I, if, if and when <laughs> the Celtics and Sixers play in the first round... I am already dreading. He's let me see. He's hit sixteen threes this season. He will match that total in a six or something series, <laughs> and it will piss me off every single one of them. Increasing anger every time. So, one my my final note on on Boston before we move on to Phoenix. Yes. Um, you know, this is one of those teams where I could also see just the switch from going to the regular season to the playoffs. Um, yeah. Oh, you were going there as well? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Basically, just, yeah, having this ability to close the book on the regular season and open, open a new, opening a new one that has yet to be written and is just completely fresh and new, I think that this is one of those teams that could actually go into that mindset and adapt to that and go, okay, everything that just happened over the last 82 games, that's, that's over with. That's forgotten. It's done. We never discuss it again. Like, ha- yeah. let's have a team meeting. Let's just all agree that bygones be bygones. This is a completely new season. Let's go for it. Yeah, I agree. I totally, totally agree. Like, it would not at all surprise me to see this team in the Eastern Conference Finals, even after everything they've been through this year. Right. Like, they're, they have the talent. It's just, can they put it together in time? And And that's the big question, because, I mean, Brad Stevens, as great as he is, you know, he, he will have to manage not only a bunch of egos, mm-hmm. but he's also going up against Giannis, Kawhi, right. Marcus All. Right. That that in itself takes a lot of preparation time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean <laughs> all the people who said, who would you take, Brad Stevens or any player in the NBA? Those takes didn't age well? I'm shocked. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember that. Terrible. All right. I, Why are we on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I literally I ask that question every day. Uh, although I guess one of the reasons is because I would not have even seen this Sun story 
if not for being on Twitter. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just $2, $4, $6, and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid seven twenty. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi oh! This next one's for you too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. I, I feel like it's slipped under the radar somewhat because it's the sun, so who really cares? But we need to talk about this because Woj had a report the other day. And, it, I mean, it is just so damning to speak not only... I mean, the suns are terrible this year. Every, like mm-hmm. That's no surprise. They've won 12 games. <laughs> But the organizational dysfunction, the extent of it, does not speak to Phoenix's chance of digging out quickly. So I'm going to read some some Woj quotes that we can talk about. He said, this is an organization that's in a spiral in almost every way. It's a concern for the NBA. Robert Sarver has has seemed to not learn a lot of lessons through years about his management style, his hands-on nature, and his ability to put an infrastructure in place and allow it to build an organization. You know, James Jones is an interim general manager. He has no front office experience. Woj says Jones has had a rather unorthodox view towards the NBA draft. There is not a lot of scouting going on in Phoenix. He's not on the road a lot. Sarver considered hiring a president of basketball operations, but he hasn't started interviewing candidates for that. There's no question for the league office, teams around the league, there's a lot of raised eyebrows at Phoenix about how they're operating right now. This is another crossroads for Robert Sarver to figure out how to get this from really a state of disrepair back on the path to relevancy, perhaps even before they consider the idea of becoming contenders again. Yeah. So all of that is pretty bad. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. So, so again, we've talked about like ownership styles mm-hmm. and how it takes you know approximately three seasons to get into being an owner. Mm-hmm. Robert Sarver never really got it. <laughs> nope, he never really got it. I, I mean, I don't know what his, what his idea or vision is for for this squad, but it, I mean, in order to win, we agree. Like for for most owners, the goal is. You know, it's it's two things. One's it's being you know competitive and having something to show off to all your rich friends. Yep. Like let's be honest, that's one of them. Right. Secondarily, being profit profitable. Yep. Well, one of the ways you get profitable is by winning basketball games. <laughs> Strangely, like making the playoffs yeah. consistently. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but follow me. Like a winning team <laughs> actually has a chance of earning a lot of money. I know it's. It's it's a com- complete groundbreaking, but it, it's actually true. And when you do not have any organizational structure that's built towards achieving just one of those goals, mm-hmm. 
then at some point you will have to look yourself in the mirror and go, well, what what are my priorities here? What am I doing with this team? Why am I an NBA owner? Right. If I don't want either of these things or I don't know how to achieve them, then I need to do something else than what I've done in the X amount of years that I've owned this team. Mm-hmm. So it's it it what I what I'm just completely puzzled by is we have a billionaire who's had major financial success <clears throat> in his own career mm-hmm. and in different fields, and he cannot apply a business plan to an NBA team. And remember, the NBA is one of the most hottest leagues is actually the hottest league in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Like, if you fail in the NBA, you're absolutely horrible at your job. <laughs> right. Like, if you're unprofitable, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is there any question Robert Sarver is horrible at his job? No, I, I that, but that's the thing. I'm just puzzled by it. Yeah. I'm puzzled by how you can be a successful businessman everywhere else, and then you come to this, a, a product that more or less sell, sells itself. Right. And then you just flunk completely, like I did in physics. <laughs> right. And you look at a guy like Steve Ballmer, who takes over a Clippers team that was a running joke for decades and right. has now repositioned itself. We'll see what happens this summer. But either way, I mean, they've made so many smart moves since Ballmer took over. And I think, you know, to what, to what you were saying, how are you a smart businessman and then screw something up this royally i think it comes down to your willingness to defer and your willingness to admit that you are not an expert in this field like maybe right you know whatever you made your money in like steve ballmer is an expert in technology but he knows he doesn't understand the salary cap as long as well as a basketball lifer or he knows you know so he has a lawrence frank in there he brings in a jerry west he trusts he brings in guys who he trusts understand the game of basketball understand the way the league works both on the court and off and he defers to those guys and trusts those guys and then they bring those you know they come up with these ideas they bring them the decisions to him he has final sign off but he's not meddling on a day-to-day basis whereas sarver entrusting like with all due respect to james jones entrusting a guy with no front office experience whatsoever and having no oversight above him we mm-hmm. saw that happen with Vlade a couple years ago in sacramento and Vlade made one of the worst trades in the past five years giving you know right giving up a completely unprotected pick and two pick swaps just to get out of like 20 million dollars which they then used on rajon rondo and other terrible players so i i think that's you know if you're looking if you're a Phoenix fan and you're horrified by this report, I think the idea of them at least <laughs> searching for a president of basketball operations should be encouraging. But then who takes that job? Like Robert Sarver's reputation is known around the league to be terrible. Who's willingly signing up and being like, all right, yeah, I'll subject myself to this clown show. So someone who cares about the paycheck, honestly, but yeah. that's also problematic because if you only, you know, if you only care about the paycheck, you're probably not going to be emotionally invested, and you need to be emotionally invested. Right. This is the greatest league in the world. I mean, in terms of basketball, everyone who are in front offices around the entire damn league 
are basically living their lives doing this. Like, you know, the running joke that if you're not a proper NBA exec, if you haven't gone through at least one divorce. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it just takes so much sacrifice. So you need to find someone, like you, you actually said it, a lifer. Yeah. Yeah, and, you need to find a lifer. And they'll find someone, but as you said, it's just going to be someone who's out for the money. It won't be a top-tier candidate who, frankly, you need at a time like this. Because, like, if you look at the talent on this Suns team, would you argue that the Cleveland Cavaliers have more talent than the Suns right now? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, obviously, you know, no. The Cavs have very little talent. And and we've touched upon, you know, Phoenix's roster as well. Like, they should be better. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, the Knicks are not better talent-wise than the Suns right now. But both of those right. teams have better records than the Suns. Like, it is, you know, we, people have long questioned whether Devin Booker is a winning basketball player because of his defensive impact. And, he, yeah, he could put up 25 points on a crappy team. The, you know, now we are getting to the point where it, they should be, like, this is his fourth season. I know he hasn't had much talent around him. But now he right. does, and they're still getting their brains beaten in most nights. Now it's, you know, they're, they're 28th in the league in offensive rating, 29th in defensive rating. <coughs> like, this is just oh, yeah, an objectively awful team, and it shouldn't be this bad. I agree. And this is why they need to pill for Steve Nash back, <laughs> who is currently, I believe, a player development consultant for the Warriors. Yeah, something. So, something some, along those lines. Title, All right. Yeah. Bring him in, not as GM, but as team president. Ooh. Ooh. Because Steve, Robert, Robert Sarver respects Steve for obvious reasons. Sure. And as far as I understand the relationship, there is a mutual respect for one another. Mm-hmm. But, but here you have a guy in Nash who is insanely bright. Right. Like, let's just, insanely bright, not just in terms of basketball IQ, but he also serves like a general manager for the Canadian team. Mm-hmm. Like, he understands how to build something up. And if he has this established respect from Robert Sarver immediately, like, that's a hurdle he won't have to jump through and have to go through. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll immediately be able to do his job. And then, because he has that respect, if Sarver interferes, you know, Steve can go, Hey, Bob, shh, be quiet and go <laughs> right. sit in the corner. We're, we're drafting right now. Right, right. Uh, and I get the whole prestige thing. Like, if I own an NBA team, obviously, obviously, I want to be in the room, in the war room on draft night. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I want to be in, you know, the offices around the trade deadline. Obviously, I want to go on the meetings, like on the on the free agency summits or, or summits, but free agency meetings, whatever. Obviously, I want to be a part of it. But I wouldn't be the you know the dominating piece of it because that would could completely undermine the overall goal of getting the best players, right? Like and and that's what he has to understand. Like yeah, sure you can be a part of it, just shut up <laughs> and stay in the background. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, look, they've made a lot of draft day mistakes in the past couple of years. I mean, their twenty sixteen draft alone is going to set them back. Yes, a long way. You you can't have that much draft pick value and piss it away like that. Are you saying that Marquise, Chris, and Dragon Bender <laughs> were not great acquisitions while you also gave up Bogdan Bogdanovich? Are you really saying that, Brian? Probably wasn't the best move, no. 
Yeah. They, I mean, they have made a couple decent to good moves this year. Like, signing Trevor Ariza to a one-year $15 million deal suggested they thought they could be a playoff team, which was dumb, but immediately realizing they were not a playoff team and flipping him for a young guy like Kelly Oubre makes mm. sense. Now, waving Austin Rivers immediately did not because Austin Rivers has been somewhat productive with the Rockets and they needed a point guard at the time. But again, like flipping Ryan Anderson for Tyler Johnson, at least you're addressing a positional need and not giving up anything that was providing major on-court value for you. So they have made some acquiring Rashawn Holmes for nothing. I think they paid cash for him. That was great. Like they, they have a lot of good young talent. The problem for Phoenix is right now is kind of the time where you should be in talent acquisition mode. I mean, they have 61 million... Right. 61.7 million in guaranteed salary next year. That's not counting. Tyler Johnson has a 19.2 million dollar player option, which I'm assuming he's going to pick up cuz who the hell is paying Tyler Johnson 19 million dollars in the open market? But probably the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, after they no, they're getting Kyrie Strike out. If they don't, yeah. But I mean in 2020 2021 right now, this is going to change based on what they do this summer, but they only have forty one point two million dollars in the books. But you know, after that point, Josh Jackson comes up for an extension that summer. DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges come up for extensions the following summer. So when you have all of this rookie talent, you have three or four years where you can bring in vets and bring you know lock these guys into long term contracts too, and then it comes time to pay the rookies. And then your cap space goes away. Like Aiton, right? You know, at at this point, it's so early in his trajectory. But you would assume, as the number one overall pick, he's putting up pretty impressive numbers as a rookie. He looks max. like, yeah, he looks like he will be in line for a max deal. Mikhail Bridges and Josh Jackson are probably not going to get maxes or anywhere close to it. But retaining them will still cost ten plus million each. So. You're basically describing the Hornets. Yeah, right. Like, at a certain point, you need to bring in vets, but what vets are going to play for this team unless you just completely overpay them? So you have a a more finite window than it might seem right away. I mean, like, in theory, you have so much cap space and the world is your oyster, but in reality, no one is going to come to this Suns team next year unless you overpay them you're not landing a top tier free agent because you just right. don't have an appealing pitch come play for our 12 and 50 team is not going to land a chris middleton or a jimmy butler or you know whoever like i'm not even talking about the super top guys because why the hell is i mean kevin durant's going to the knicks so i just <laughs> whatever i guess it can't be too down on bad teams but phoenix doesn't have come play with these star young guys like if booker and Aiden right. take a step forward next year and this team wins 30 games and looks more competitive then in the summer of 2020 you might have a chance to get someone relatively interesting but right now i think the goal for the suns for the next 12 months is put a front office in place that commands respect around the league agreed and then get robert sarver just put him on a boat to the Bahamas and tell him to check back in five years. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's obviously that's also like a challenge because uh, you know 
he's the guy cutting the checks. Right. So I understand that that's an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I have been in that situation over at a former website that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah. And 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 having an, an an owner of a property that does not really know what to do with it is is very problematic. Here's what I basically would do if I came in and, and like let's just go with the Steve Nash example again. Like if I'm Steve Nash and I came in, I I would basically sit down with Robert Sarver and I would go, look, we have two guys that are untouchable. Mm-hmm. Booker and Aiden. Everyone else are are not there yet or have you know contracts that aren't great for us moving forward. Right. Like let's let's use a year to just sort out who we need to keep and yeah. who we don't need to keep. Like because look look at the roster right now. You have both T.J. Warren and Kelly Oubre, and then you have you know Mikael Bridges and Josh Jackson. Like yeah, that's just so so many wings that aren't going to uh, get enough minutes to really be worth their coming contracts right. extensions. Right. Like that's it's just not going to make sense. Um, I would move T.J. because. You know he's he's a player who is productive. Mm-hmm. Like you know what you have in him. Uh, he's obviously improved greatly as a shooter as well. Like you can play him at the th- three and the four, so he's versatile. I I don't even know if I would keep Kelly Oubre. If obviously if someone offers him a major offer sheet, I mean they make the the decision for me. Right. And if he comes cheap, I would. But I am not in love with it either. Yeah. And if someone offers like Josh Jackson a huge deal in a couple of years, <laughs> and he's not great, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I, I would like to hang on to like the cheap assets of DeAnthony Melton and Elio Gobo, mm-hmm. but that's also because I think they're going to be tremendous assets down the line. But they're also but not going to be cheap for super long. Like Melton's only inked through next year, and then he's a restricted free agent in twenty twenty. Yeah. And that's that's the problem. I mean, unless they don't take that step forward, right? Right. And then you have to wonder: Do we even want them if they're not, you know, improving dramatically? Yeah. It's just they need to take a year or two, and just not think about you know wins and progress necessarily. Yes. Well, progress. Yeah. You know, well, progress, of course, in terms of player development, but just identification more so than progress. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, like they have a lot more talent than most rebuilding teams do. There is a path out of this much quicker than there is for, say, the the Cavaliers. But they have to know where they are. And they have to understand their situation. They have to know there is no... I mean, the only reason we bring in a Trevor Ariza is to trade him later for a young player. But, like, why did we play him 34 minutes a game when we had right. him? That's dumb. We're not to prove that he could still play, we right. <laughs> even though he was a, a known commodity, they felt the need to play him to make sure that other teams knew, right. hey, he's playable. Right, like you, you just need to accept. I think, like, I mean, this is in general for bad teams. If you accept you're bad, and you realize that, and you put, you know, put a heavy emphasis on your young players, give them a lot of minutes, let them work through their mistakes, you're gonna get through your rebuild right. faster. But if you continue yep. to clog up your, your your playing time distribution with veterans who don't factor into your long term future, you 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 look five years down the road and you're in the same spot. And you wonder why. Yeah, I agree completely. This looks to me as, especially from a salary structure, that they could end up being 
like I said, the, the, the Charlotte Hornets of the West. Yeah. Just because they may end up re-signing everyone to deals that we actually deem fair, right. but collectively, it would just look like a complete, you know, crap show, really. And at least, I mean, in Aiton and Booker, they theoretically have two stars, so maybe they'll be like the Timberwolves instead of because Kemba's just alone. At least, wait, wait, who's who's the second star on the Timberwolves though? <laughs> According to his salary, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, well. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It wouldn't be a, a, an episode of our podcast if Andrew Wiggins didn't get slandered. It's the flashback sale at Mattress Firm. We're celebrating the year we were founded with a special price from 1986. A flashback price of $169 on a new Sleepy's Queen mattress. Plus, get up to $400 off throwback deals on beds. And Wednesday through Sunday, take home a free adjustable base with a purchase of just $599. But hurry in, these awesome blasts from the past savings won't last forever. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply, valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Oh, boy. So- sorry, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's actually switch over and talk. We, we've been too negative this episode, so we want to we end on a positive note. And look, we know we're just not going to spend a lot of time discussing the Knicks and the Cavs. And like, that's probably the longest segment we're going to have on the Suns until the draft lottery. But we yeah. did want to give some props to good players on bad teams who have been showing out as of late. And that is your cue, Mort, because I know there is one Chicago Bull in particular who has caught your eye. Look, I mean, he's caught everyone's eye. Yeah. Laurie Marginen has been outstanding. So here's here's a little bit of a background. When he was drafted back in 2017, you know, most kind of set his ceiling as an 18-8 and eight type of guy. Right. Like in his prime. Right. Because people really underestimated, myself included, uh, the explosiveness he, he had in his dribble drive game. Mm-hmm. Because at Arizona, he was not, he, he didn't have the same freedom that he has in Chicago. Like now, at the age of 21, in his second season, he's averaging 19 point, 19 and a half points and nine boards. And has more or less just completely owned February, really. Yeah. Um, He's averaged over his past 13 games, 24 points, 13 rebounds, getting to the line over six times a game, hitting 91% of them. Like there's a legit chance that he finishes out this season averaging tw- 20 and 10, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know an arbitrary line. I I don't put a lot of stock into it because it's just like numbers that are round. It doesn't really matter, but it does present a significant move up statistically from him. Mm-hmm. I'm really loving what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a guy right now who's taking the ball off the backboard and pushing it in transition. Yeah. Finishing himself as well. Yeah. A lot of the time. Um, I, I mean, a lot of guys were, were looking at him as a complimentary piece, and now he's actually setting up a question that is, could he be the centerpiece of a franchise? Yeah. Yeah, I saw him run 
a five-one pick and roll the other day. Correct. So that was. Is Jim Boylan actually just letting the Bulls play now? He is. I think he is, and I, I. I mean, he deserves credit for that because what he did before was just not positive at all. Right. And I also very much enjoy how so many Boylan stands were like right now are like, oh look. You know, he's a good coach after all. Yeah, he's a good coach because he's changed. Right. He's, <laughs> right. Like, right. he's like, you you, you kept, kept talking about him when he was bad. Like, oh, he was a good coach. No, he wasn't when he forced the ball into Robin Lopez 25 possessions a game. Yeah. Now he's, he actually opened it up. The But going back to marketing for a second, he came into this uh, this season injured with the, with the right elbow, I believe it right. was. Mm-hmm. And that's his shooting arm. Yep. And I had seen him play last summer, summer 2018, for Finland. Mm-hmm. And he was looking so explosive. I, I, I saw all the games during the summer, and he was he was owning everyone. Like, he was dunking on people basically like four or five times a game, drilling threes, not hesitating, putting the ball on the floor. He, Finland even used him as a passing hub, mm-hmm. like from the high post. And he, he, he would make ridiculously difficult passes for someone seven feet. And then he came, you know, back to the States and he hurt his elbow and people were like, well, we don't really know what he is. And I was like, you know, this kid is going to be good. This kid is going to be really good. I saw, I saw all these games, Finland. And then he came back, struggled initially. And then a lot of people were like, oh, well, maybe we should make him available in trade before, uh, you know, the, the jig is up. Like, before people realize that he may not be having, you know, he may not have this high ceiling. Right. Look at him now. Yeah. I fully expect him to make the All-Star game next year. Wow. I, yeah, I mean, I guess it's... The team success thing may work against him, but the Bulls have won four of their past five, so maybe they'll be genuinely somewhat competitive next year. I think they will be because of the Arthur Porter acquisition. Yeah. Porter has been tremendous because he's streamlined the roles of everyone. Right. Beforehand, you didn't have this legitimate three-man. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone were kind of switching over positions, and, and like, nobody really knew what they were doing. Wait, Jab- now Jabari everyone... Parker's not a three? <laughs> yeah. I'm shocked. Bobby Portis, yeah, I know. And Bobby Portis isn't a full-time center, lockdown defender. Hmm, oh. Who knew? Huh. Um, but but yeah, I mean everything's just more streamlined. More shots are available. It, everything just seems to flow. The, the one guy who's on the outs is Chris Dunn. Yeah, because he's just been horrible. He, he cannot seem to find his offense. And honestly, I have a theory. I don't think he's a point guard. I mm. I think he's one of those guys who should be played. You know, you know, understand my my meaning here. He should be played much like Dwayne Wade, like as a. A two guard who moves a little bit off the ball, but slashes and cuts yeah. off the ball, right. yeah, and, and should be viewed more as a slashing scorer instead of a guy who just tries to dominate the ball as a dribbler. Yeah. I don't think that's his game. I want to see him unleashed as a two, but I don't think that's going to happen in Chicago because Zach Levine has actually been good recently. Right. Um, but yeah, strangely enough, that's happened alongside the evolution of marketing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bulls. Do you think they've gotten too good as of late? I love this question because they are, they are not. Yeah, I set you up. Yeah, because the Atlanta Hawks, who are we gonna who we're gonna talk about right now, yep. 
have been amazing. Right. And because Atlanta is have been playing so well, uh, the 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 lottery odds have really not changed for Chicago. Yeah. Because Atlanta is just that tiny bit better, and they're the next in line. And Trey Young has just been. He's the next guy we're going to talk yeah. about. Just outstanding. Um, what, what was the last line I saw over... I don't remember. I saw it on Twitter. He, he was averaging something crazy, like 23 points, 8 assists, shooting the hell out of the basketball over the past like 13 games or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure the, the, the correct number, but like he's he, we thought that he would come in slow this year. Well, he... Kind of did. I mean, he struggled with his efficiency, at least, early on. Yeah, but we thought we, he would remain slow yeah, all right. year long. Right. And that certainly hasn't been the case. Yeah. No, I, I definitely set you up with the two good question. Because, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the Hawks are still four games, or the Bulls are still four games up on the Hawks in terms of the fourth worst record. And, like, yeah, they're too good. They're not going to catch up to New York or Cleveland, but they never were going to. And they're right, like, exactly. And it doesn't make that much of a difference anymore. Like this is, this is where the new lottery odds are, will at least help with like the egregious tanking. Because under the old system, Chicago would have been incentivized to tank more than they are right now. But right now, I mean, they if assuming they finishes the four, which seems likely, because they again they're four games up on Atlanta, they're two and a half back from Cleveland. Like that seems like a big buffer zone either way. They're going to have Correct. a 12.5% chance of the number one overall pick, 48.1% chance of top four. The top three teams are only 14% for the number one, 52.1% for the top four. So it's really not a huge difference. I mean, the, the difference is it's their not. floor more than their ceiling. So they can slip you know, all the way to eight, which is not ideal. But Correct. But, I mean, in terms of, like, the odds of them getting a top, the, you know, the, or Zion or just a top four pick, whether it's RJ Barrett, John Morant, whoever, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. Could you imagine John Morant on the Bulls? I was going to say, like, that might yeah. be my favorite draft day. I guess, like, figuring out where Zion is going to go is the most important one because I don't want him to go to, like, Cleveland or Phoenix. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. flick that. Like I think him in Dallas or him in Memphis would be my two favorite. But yeah. Oh yeah, I'm all in on the Dallas thing. Yeah, I I want him in Dallas. I think that could be so fun. But yeah, Ja and Chicago might be my favorite non-Zion prospect to team fit. Right, because they would actually have a set starting lineup as well. I yeah. know that starting lineups should be more fluid, but it's the NBA. They're just not not right. in that sense. Right. You would have Wendell Carter in the five, Laurie Marketing playing the power four position, Otto Porter at the three, Levine at the two, and Morant running the point. I mean, then, that's a streamlined lineup. And then Chris Alt, down and, off the bench in that six-man role. He's, he's probably going to get moved, I think. Yeah. I think so. It would, um, it would make sense. Yeah. I, I'm not sure who takes him. I don't think he has tremendous trade value. Right. But another point guard, though, just going back to Trey Young, because I dug up the stats... Over his past 15 games, Brian, yep, 23.9 points, yep. 9 assists. He's hitting 43% from downtown on seven point, uh, 7.3 attempts, hitting 84.5% from the line, 6.5 attempts, mm-hmm. and he's doing it in 33 minutes. Whew. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what surprised me the most is 
instead of hitting the rookie wall, which it seemed like he did a little bit earlier in the season, he just broke right through it. And you could tell he's becoming more comfortable. The game is starting to slow down for him. Some of his moves are just so damn crafty. Like, he's really got that step back three down already. I mean, that, that was one of the big concerns about him coming in, right? Was can he get his shot off against bigger NBA guards? The answer is yes. He just has the nastiest step back three outside of James Harden. Right, and he's also got patience. Mm-hmm. That's what that that what that's what took me by surprise. I thought he would come in and because of his size, he would like fling up shots too quickly. Right. Because you would see someone like six four with a six ten wingspan just jump at him. Right. But like he keeps his cool all the time. Yeah. Like just yeah. I mean, fair enough. He averages almost four four turnovers a game. But a lot of them aren't necessarily desperation turnovers. Mm-hmm. Like some are, but he's twenty. Yeah, I was just I was expecting more of those. Right. But he he keeps his head down, and then he finds his way to like get past that defender, reach the play, and then you have like John Collins, you know, jumping in from the weak side. Oh, there's a nice little alley oop pass, or there's a floater for for Trey because he understands he has a step on his defender. Like everything is so calculated. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love where, where he's going with his game. Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking about the Suns having too much talent and they should be better. And like the Hawks rebuild is off to a great start so far. It is like their past two draft classes have been fantastic between him, John Collins, Kevin Herter. Like they have a, a, good young core in plays like collins and young are look like foundational pieces yeah absolutely and i was i i'm gonna go back on what i said about kevin herter i wasn't a fan mm-hmm. uh coming in i i did not like the draft for atlanta i i thought they i thought they there were better players on the draft board basically every time they s- selected a pick mm-hmm. I still feel that a little bit, but at least Herter has has proven himself very much capable. Yeah, coming in and just draining a ton of shots seems to move well without the basketball. There are certainly elements of his game that I need to see be expanded significantly. Sure. In in particular, like his playmaking and his ability to get to the free throw line, mm-hmm. because you you cannot be a starting shooting guard in this league and take zero point eight <laughs> free throws a game. Right, that is just a tremendous problem. Mm-hmm. But. You're right. They are building a foundation that has, you know, a philosophy. Unlike what Phoenix is doing. Right. Like, everyone needs to be able to shoot the basketball. Yeah. And we saw the Omari Spellman pick as well. Like, Omari is averaging almost three threes a game, Mm -hmm. you know, attempts. Mm -hmm. Everyone on this team are just jacking up threes. And it doesn't really matter if it goes in or not because this is a development season. Right. It's. I think they took a page out of Brooklyn's book. And just went crazy with the long range shots, yeah. and you know, kind of will, will from henceforth, henceforth just identify who are the guys that we will build around. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember even coming into the, or after the draft, there was the joke of like they're just trying to build like a poor man's Stephen Clay, like a poor man's Golden State backcourt with <laughs> right. with Trey and Herder, and everyone's like, okay, that's great, but good luck. They're not Stephen Clay. They're still not Stephen Clay because Stephen Clay is the best shooting backcourt of all time, but. You can right. see they are trying to emulate that strategy, and I think you're right about the yep. Brooklyn thing. And Brooklyn, I mean, they had this offense in place for a couple of years, and the same was true with Philly like early in their rebuild. Putting your system in place and using that to suss out 
who's a keeper, who's not, makes sense. Like, these teams just don't have the talent. I mean, like, Atlanta this year and Philly a couple years ago, Brooklyn a couple years ago, they didn't have the talent to be successful, but their their philosophy, their system was smart. And now you're going to see over the coming years, Atlanta is going to take some major step forward because they have been running this system the whole time. They're just going to continue adding talent around their, their young guys. Yeah. Agreed. And that is part of why they're so intriguing moving forward. If yeah. they get a legit center at some point, and by center I mean you know a new age unicorn type center. Right. A guy who can step out and hit threes while still being a a rim protector and a shot blocker and a rebounder. Like if they get a dominant big man mm-hmm. to round this thing out, and that would allow John Collins to slide down to the four where he can be a little bit more stretchy. Mm-hmm. But he can then play five, you know, back up in his uh, at the five as well. Yeah. I think this team's, like, structure would just be amazing. Yeah. Because you have Torian Prince at the three. Obviously, Trey at the one, Collins at the four. Herder, I suppose, at the two. I I dig that. Yeah. I really dig that. I mean, you can even see it kind of like in the outline of Dwayne Dedman, mm-hmm. who can shoot the ball, right. who is a rebounder and a shot blocker. He's just not as dynamic as... You know, a Carl Anthony Towns or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, they're right there. Yeah. In five years' time, I'm scared. You know, I can't say that word anymore, but I'm I'm scared something less of yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think it takes five years. I think they're they're right on path, man. They're they're yeah. Kudos to the Hawks for knowing how to rebuild correctly. <laughs> As you said, a perfect contrast to the Phoenix Suns. Right, and also, by the way, we need to give this guy a shout-out. He's not young. He's the exact opposite. But Vince Carter, man. Yeah. I mean, look, this is a guy who I think NBA teams should pay a ton of money for in the offseason or just offer a lot of money. Like, there should be a bidding war every summer for Vince Carter until he's, like, 55. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Just get him on the roster because he, he seems to have this – tremendously positive effect on young guys like he takes them under his wing he's very polite he's very professional they look up to him he's still you know a physical marble that in who in practice like commands respect Mm -hmm. and and that athleticism that's not going anywhere brian i I don't care that's not going he almost tried to like end carl anthony Towns' life i saw it it was amazing yeah i mean that is i i don't I don't think we can put into words how important he is for for younger teams. I actually think his him being a Sacramento King uh-huh. helped create the foundation of putting them in the mm. position where they are today. Interesting. I, I thought you were going to go a different direction and say, like, the league should hire him. And then he just has a clinic every year for, like, these 30-somethings, like, former superstars who can't accept a diminished role. Like, <laughs> like Carmelo Anthony should just hire Vince Carter. Just as his like personal liaison until well that too let's 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 give Vince more jobs more money for Vince right I'm down right like Alan Iverson you know a decade ago like really needed Vince Carter right now he really needed yep. to humble yourself like Vince Carter was a star I mean he was a 25 point per game scorer in his prime mm-hmm. and he's just so seamlessly accepted this dialed back role but he's still contributing to a winning culture which it's incredible like if if more former stars could make this transition so easily 
<laughs> it'd be amazing, but unfortunately not everyone can. So yeah, good good call. Definite shout out to Vince Carter there. Also, just on the download, Vince has hit 82 threes this year. Yeah. He's 42. Yeah, he's shooting shockingly well. Oh, this dude. Yeah. I mean, he's older than me, but he makes me feel old right. in some way. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other guy I want to shout out is Mitchell Robinson of the Knicks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So DeAndre Jordan's missed a couple games. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid $7.29 to 811 select styles excludes in-store clearance get to old navy for the biggest sale of the year up to 60 percent off all back to school styles for kids and baby get flip-flops for two bucks graphic tees for four bucks shorts for six dollars and jeans for eight dollars right now get the best kids styles at kid size prices just two four six and eight dollars can't wait to wear it buy online and pick up in-store free today up to 60 percent off all kids and baby styles now at old navy and oldnavy.com valid 729 to 811 select styles excludes in-store clearance now so uh, where he start robinson has started to get some additional minutes he's still coming off the bench but he had 30 against the spurs in a win that spike lee was very distraught about during the oscars and then uh another win against the magic two nights later he has 11 blocks in his last two games he has 103 blocks on the season, and he's played just 45 games, and he's playing 18 minutes a night. <laughs> it's amazing. He has a block percentage of 10.6. So I looked up who was the last guy to have a line, as a rookie, the last guy to have the line of 17 points, 14 rebounds, 6 blocks, and 3 steals, which is what he did against the Magic. The only two guys in history were David Robinson and Ralph Sampson. I didn't see the Ralph Sa- Sampson come, come up, but I had a feeling it was David because yeah. he was a steals monster. Right. I, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't... Robinson is still very raw. I mean, he turns 21 in April, so there's no shame in that. Like, but he has, he has something there. And, you know, mm-hmm. we joke about, like, why would any star free agent join the Knicks? I don't think, like, Mitchell Robinson, they're looking at Mitchell Robinson, they're like, oh, well, now we're definitely going to join because they have Mitchell Robinson. But he is, I mean, there's something there. Like, he's a, a moldable block of clay at this point, but you can see the yes. talent. I mean, if he if he hits on it, he's like Hassan Whiteside, but good. No, you know what he is? He is this heiress Tyson Chandler. Ooh, okay. But more athletic. Yeah. Because here's the thing with Tyson. Tyson, early on in his career, he went shot block hunting. And then he realized, oh, that's not going to help any. That's not helping anyone. I need mm-hmm. to actually play defense. Blocks doesn't mean jack. I mean, I've, I need to play defense. And then his blocks went down, but his defense defensive impact just went up. I think Robinson right now, he's going to trail off in a couple years with the shot blocking. Mm-hmm. As he just becomes more refined, is in his understanding of the game. Mm-hmm. 
but he's going to be just as disruptive defensively, yeah. like grabbing a ton of boards, you know, finishing. You already see the high field goal percentage. Like he doesn't take shots outside of his own rhythm, right? Much like Tyson and DeAndre Jordan, whatever. I think he's going to be that type of dude. Yeah. Just a lanky, long, athletic, very quick-footed dude who can cover so much ground. Yeah, he has taken one shot more than 10 feet from the basket. He is, he is Ben <laughs> Simmons, basically. He, he's Oh my god, his shot distance is 1.6 feet. <laughs> it's amazing. But yeah, I, I just looked at this though. He is He's on the Hinky special contract. He's locked in next year. Not guaranteed right. in 2020-2021. And then team option in 2021-2022. So they have him super cheap for the next three years. Like that, That is a somewhat appealing pitch to free agents, I think. Again, it's not like the, the difference maker. Right. But it's, hey, we have this guy who could be... I don't know if you're going to start him next year or not. If you bring in Kevin Durant and Kyrie, you're probably looking for a veteran option. But like... This guy could be a major factor defensively. And we have right. him so cheap. Like, you're not going to run into the problem you, we did with, with these other big threes where, you know, we, we lose our supported cast because everyone else gets too expensive. Like, Mitchell Robinson is here through 2021-2022 at less than $2 million a year. But before we go all that way, like, let's just inform Knicks fans that in no way, shape, or form – are they going to you know end up paying just 1.8 million for him in 2021 2022 because that's the Nikola Jokic example again if they pick if they pick up that option he's going to be unrestricted afterwards because mm-hmm. he's a second round pick yeah fair fair point so after 2021 they'll he's going to get paid yeah one would hope yeah oh yeah i mean given the current trajectory yes yeah for sure yeah and then the last guy, who it feels wrong to include him here because he's not on a terrible team, but the team has been terrible for so long that we... we it counts. Yeah. So Marvin Bagley suffered a knee injury last night. We don't know the severity of it. We are hoping it is not as bad as it looked, but he banged his right knee and grabbed his left knee after his left knee bent in a way it should not have. So I... I am at least mildly concerned that we have seen the last of Marvin Bagley that we will this season. Now, you and I have said, look, Luka Doncic is the best rookie in this class. He should have been the number one right. overall pick. It, like, Aiton and Bagley in particular are going to have that, and Trey Young even, are going to have that stigma attached to them. But all three have been playing well. And Bagley, right. I mean, I, I think Bagley, if this is the last we saw of Marvin Bagley, we need to acknowledge what he's been doing, especially over the past month or so. Like over his past 13 games, he averaged almost 18 points, nine and a half rebounds, 1.3 blocks, hit a couple threes. I mean, he was playing impactful basketball off the bench for a Kings team that, again, no one in their right mind thought the Sacramento Kings were going to be this close in the playoff race at the end of February. Right. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Just because I saw someone post it on Twitter, I thought it was interesting. Okay. Marvin Bagley or DeAndre Ayton? Ooh. Well, let's find out how bad Bagley's knee injury is. Let's let's ignore the knee injury. Yeah. Hmm. 
Because the numbers, when you you know adjust it for minutes, mm-hmm. stack up very evenly, very evenly. Yeah, I guess and it's a matter of how how much do you worry about Aiton's defensive issues? Like, I feel like you could hide Bagley because he doesn't play center, whereas Aiton, if you don't have a legit rim protector at the five and you don't have a guy who can guard stretch fives or defend pick and rolls well that is more mm-hmm. of a defensive liability than a four who can't do that i think i'm with you and there are two more components that intrigue me with backley that i'm kind of concerned about regarding aiden mm-hmm. backley can get to the line yeah. a lot like he has a free throw rate of 40 and a half but he also takes threes. Like, fair enough, he's only hitting just like 26% or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, he's got good form when he's shooting it. And yeah. it, the, it, the sample size is just so low, you can't really concisely say that he's a bad shooter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, pro- he, he projects as someone who can actually become a stretch player. Mm-hmm. So if if he rounds out his game, and like you said, you can, you know, well, not necessarily hide him, but, you know, he can be a system defender. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like then you can argue that he will have at least less holes in his game, right? Than Aiden, yeah. And then it comes down to where does Aiden develop in terms of being this dynamic, dynamic inside force? Is he gonna just shack it all the way up? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, what is he going to do? He's one of those guys who may be be able to do that in a year or two. Yeah. I think it's interesting that we can at least make that comparison, or we can at least bring it up with a straight face. For sure. Yeah. I mean. Bagley was a guy coming into the draft where I just didn't see it as, like, why is this guy being mentioned ahead of Luca or Jaron Jackson Jr.? And, I mean, I, I still feel that way to some degree, right. but at least it's yeah. a lot closer than it was for me coming into the year. Like, he, I, I am genuinely pleasantly surprised at how well he's been playing, especially as of late. I Like, I know his per-game line... His season-long per-game line will not jump out as anything special. 14.7 rebounds, whatever. But he has been playing really well over the past month. I hope, knock on wood, I hope this knee injury is not something that will affect him long-term, whatever it may be. I agree. Because um, he, I mean, with Fox healed and him, like the Kings, much like the Hawks, they suddenly have a really promising young core. They do. They do. I, I look, I mean, we've talked at length about Sacramento. Yeah. And Bogdanovich as well. I mean, if they get a significant upgrade in free agency one of these years, mm-hmm. like if Harrison Barnes ends up opting out. Yeah. And it frees up cap space for him. Like maybe, maybe if they play it smart, they get someone in there who can round out that roster. Mm-hmm. Or if Harrison Barnes just starts playing better. Which is always possible. <laughs> that is also a possibility. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But but yeah, you're you're right. Obviously, we hope that the knee injury is not severe. Yeah. But it, and I think just to echo you a little bit, it's not you know Marvin Backley in in isolation that we were critiquing back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was the notion that he should somehow be number one. Right. Because right. a lot of mock drafts, at least early on in 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 last season. They had him as number one or number two. Yeah. Which was just... 
that was just too high. Right. And you know, I, I understand that he ended up getting drafted at a number two, but he shouldn't have. Yeah. And that that's just where it is. There were superior options on the table, and that's all that we're critiquing. You know, right. Backley himself. You know, he's absolutely fine, and he's if the same goes with Aiden. But they do have holes in their games that someone like Luca and Trey may not have mm-hmm. in the same sense. Yeah. I think the bottom line is this draft class is absurd. Like, all of the top guys. Really, all of that. I mean, Bamba is hurt now, and he, he didn't just get much of an opportunity. But aside from that, every team should be happy with, like, every team in the top seven should be happy with who they picked. Actually, I, I know why you said that, because you look you, you saw the name Colin Sexton, and you were like, ah. Yeah. Can I just point something out about Colin Sexton? Mm-hmm. He's shooting 39 from deep, and he's hitting 85% of his free throws. I look at that as being somewhat important components moving forward, or at least strong indicators, Mm -hmm. that if he can build off of those, he can become a very efficient scorer. I get that right now his true shooting percentage is 48, which is abysmal, but that is because he takes so many two-pointers and hits them at a very, very low rate. Yeah, if he just learns to just spot up from three, and he's got good rotation on the shot, like it's it's a quality shot, and he can get to the line a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That that's done. I mean, then he can be a very solid offensive player. The thing is, he he really didn't get get a fair shake in Cleveland. Like that. When did that the athletic article come out? Oh yeah, that yeah, just yeah. early in the year. Very very early, right? Had he? Yeah. I don't even think he'd cracked like twenty games played yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, where they were like, he's not a real point guard. And to your point about his shot selection, look at who he's playing alongside this year. Again, put him with more talent. Even since Kevin Love has come back, he's been playing a lot better. Right. I mean, he he's obviously a young guy, so he's going to feed off of superior talent. Yeah. I, I'm not out on, on Sexton at all. And if you go further down the list, like Kevin Knox got potential. Yeah. You and I both love Mikhail Bridges. Oh. You know, Shy Jilts' Alexander looks great. Yeah. Miles Bridges as well. Yeah. I mean... He's got one of the best shot selections I've seen of him, all the rookies. He's just not there efficiency-wise yet, but he takes the right shots. Yep. Jerome Robinson has come alive a little bit. You know, we don't really know what Michael Porter is going to be, but he could become significant. Same goes for Sayur Smith. Those are the two guys who haven't played yet. Yep. And now, now, by the way, Brian, just to round this out, Troy Brown is going to get minutes <laughs> for, for the rest of the season in Washington, it's been said. Oh, Finally, you're, so, you're golden yes. boy. That's my golden boy. So over the next couple months, you're going to see what I've been talking about, right. hopefully. Well, everyone can look forward to that. Uh, I think that's a good place to wrap up. So, again, thank you to everyone for listening in today. Please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic. I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Mort, feel better. Drink some tea. Got it. Playoffs are <laughs> yeah. coming, buddy. Playoffs are coming. I'll, I'll stick to the two gallons of tea a day. Good. Good strategy. Yeah. Take care, man. You too.
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.